Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer or artist and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field, past winners, and a few surprise guests. Today's podcast is a very special one. It is a radio show done with Joe Montaldo on the show called The Centralist on New Year's Day to a live listening audience of over 400,000 listeners in over 70 countries. Joe is the CEO of the United Public Radio Network that syndicates this podcast globally. Joe has wanted to write a story for years, but can never put it down to paper. He decided to take the Elrond Hubbard's Writers of the Future online workshop, which was the topic of this New Year's resolution show. So join us in our interview just beginning. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to The Centralist. I'm Joe Montaldo. Hope everyone's having a great New Year's wherever you're on our big, beautiful blue planet. You know, I love doing radio, guys. I have a lot, a lot of fun. And you can catch me on YouTube and see my lovely uh, half-shaven face up there if you want to come get scared. Tonight's guest is John Goodwin. He's not really a guest. We're just kind of hanging out today. We're going to be talking about quite a few, um, a, a wide range of topics. But if anybody who's not familiar with John Goodwin, shame on you. He's been on our network several times over the years. Uh, he's affili- affiliated with L. Ron Herbert's Writers of the Futures Awards. And uh, they do a great job. Over there. We're going to talk about that because I've been taking their course, by the way, which I haven't completed, but we have been taking their course on 53, 57% through. And I got to tell you all something before we even get into this. I was, nah, nah, nah. You can ask Emily. You can ask John. Emily is John's wife. And, and uh, I was like, no, 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 I'm not doing this. Y'all crazy. This is not going to help me any. But we're going to talk more about it in that in just a few minutes. So, John, how are you tonight, man? I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be able to talk to you about this. And it started back in 2016 when I met you via Jim Mars. Yeah, Jim Mars. Uh, great old yeah, guy. And yeah, he was a, a great friend. But the whole thing of writers of the future, I started talking about that. And it became uh, more and more of a thing that you were like very interested in. And then, you, you know, over the years, we've just kind of like established more and more the what it is, the number of people that can do it, and the fact that it's free and it provides the means for aspiring writers and artists. And that was, we struck a, a common chord of affinity on that. So I'm glad that we finally be able to buttonhole you into taking the course. Well, that was, we're, we're going to wait was, now, was, audience, so y'all know this. When I finish this course, it'll probably be another week or two because my, my, my schedules have been really weird lately. So um uh, where was i last today i was reading actually i was reading this morning oh i was on opening your story but anyway we're gonna we're gonna get into all this the steps i've been through i've been through 24 of the 43 steps and i really thought you know i'm I'm not big on a lot of these kind of things so over the years i've learned that most stuff that i find that i take on the internet i I already know more than what i'm learning not true here by any freaking means of the word not even close I actually wrote my first short story about three or four days ago. It's, it was garbage. I'm not going to lie, but it was coherent. And that was the point. <laughs> so, you, I mean, don't get me wrong, people. You know, it was, I wouldn't want to try to show it to anybody. But, but what I mean by coherent is it functioned as a story. It had its start, its middle, its filler, its, and it played through like it should. Now, yes, the, the content was garbage, but I wasn't really looking for that. I was just trying to figure out. You know, because one of my biggest bitches, and I've said this to John many times on the air, is learning, for me, learning how to fill the story is a tough thing. Okay, now short stories is not quite as hard because you're not putting as much in there. But when you're writing a book or doing a movie, whatever, 
you know, you've got to stretch the moment out. And I was not really good at that. I was like, okay, this is what happened. And then I'm moving on. Well, no, that's not what you're supposed to. You got to build up to it, you know, bring it in and then bring it out. And these things are really helping me with this. Um, the videos are really good. Uh, they talk to you like you're a layman and not like you should know what the hell they're talking about, which is nice. Um, and and they take their time and explain uh, what you need. And what's really nice about this, instead of aggravating the shit out of your teacher all the time, you can go back, which I've done actually on several occasions. Because there was a part, I'm going to go back and look at it, I forgot what it's called, but there was a part when you when you look for the information for the story. And uh, we'll go back and I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit, but these kind of things really helped me because I really didn't know how, you know, when, when I started writing something, it always sounded like, like I was writing some kind of schematic or some kind of, you know, like you would read to fix your TV or some shit. It just, yeah. it just, it was bad people. I mean, when I say it was bad, it was bad. And if I'm telling you it's bad, you can just wonder how bad it really was. Um, but because of this, <laughs> I've actually learned, uh, and you know, and and, I, and I'm and I've really figured the more I do it, the the better I'll get at it. So y'all might actually see me finally write something. Yeah. Oh, I'll send it to John and Emily like fifty times and drive that shit crazy and see what I got to do to fix this. <laughs> but but still, um, what do you mean? Am I going to submit a short story? I I tried. You never know. I might, but I, I'm I'm not not this year. I can tell you that now. Well, I won't even say that because you never know. Uh, I, I'm learning faster than I thought it was. I'm, I'm not going to lie to y'all. Um, I really thought I'd had the course finished by now, but it's not because of the course. The course is designed to work at your own pace. But it, it, if you really want to work the course, you can do it pretty quickly. Uh, you could really do it in a week if you wanted to without any real effort at all. But I, I've been doing a little bit each week, and it gives me time to fiddle around and harass my wife and other people about what I've been learning, which just they just uh, they just love you so much now, John, by the way. <laughs> 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 they're like please now nah, they've heard enough but i gotta say i've been i've been pleasantly surprised with the whole course and um really people you're gonna learn you're gonna learn things that you just you really things that you don't think of what do you mean gene no no i mean it. you're gonna learn things that you don't think of you know because when i'm looking at this stuff you know like how to narrate your story i would just blat it out but no there's means to this there's ways to navigate in and out and and make it a much more fluid much smoother flow and these are things that if you're going to do this you really need to know or it's going to be disjointed and, and if anybody ever reads one of my paragraphs y'all know what i mean by disjointed okay so uh <laughs> funny joke. But the thing on that though joe is the thing on it is, is like you've written a short story now that it's that's not going to get published and it's not going to get you know hit the top of the short story bestseller list or whatever isn't the point the point is now you've actually set out to write a story and you've actually done it from what i remember from before that's not something you, you weren't able to do that so now you oh hell no that. i couldn't do that oh no yeah that, that, was, that was ridiculous it was uh actually and, and the only times i've ever attempted to write anything it was just uh we'll just leave it alone and just we're not even gonna tell you i was that was that bad people i mean really um I, I had said a long time i'm not a writer but now i understand why i'm not a writer because i was never taught how this should how things work and yeah. I, I see guys I, I you know if it can benefit me think of this ladies and gentlemen okay if it can benefit my writing all right think about it guys i mean somebody the other day said that my paragraphs have already improved you know that was that was just wrong to even tell me that by the way but um because my brain works fast in my hands anyway but if, if it can help me, it can definitely help anybody out there, guys. I mean, it's, it's just something that I think y'all should 
think about doing, work your way through. Like I said, I'm 50, 55% of the way through. Uh, and then, you know, the videos are broke up. They're really easy to understand. They don't use enormous words that confuse people. Matter of fact, I was talking with a friend of mine who's taking the course. I, I'd actually sent him, I actually dared him to take the course because he's always bitched he couldn't write either. By the way, he's already almost completed it. And uh, I might have him on next time you and I are. And uh, okay. he's working on a novel. He's written three or four short stories. Now, the last one was actually pretty good. Not good enough to submit anywhere, but still... Uh, way better than what him and I talked about just eight months ago. So uh, I was, I was, um, you know, because like he said, that, like he was talking about, what we were talking about the other day, writing descriptions. And and we were talking about that. And we were talking about something else before that. And uh, he said it just helped him, you know, to listen to a professional talk about how you write. He said, I, I, some things, you know, like outlining a story. He said, I don't really understand how you outline a story. He said, well, well, let me let me rephrase that, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. He was like me. He thought outline a story meant something entirely different than what it actually meant. <laughs> Things like this help, you know, people who and I don't want to say young writers for anybody, it doesn't matter what age you are. I mean, I'm 57, guys. Um, anybody can learn anything. You know, and I really think it's well put together, it's well thought out. And it's it's well, no, Jackson, it's not for the, the professional writer because a professional writer don't need the course. He's a professional or she's a professional writer. They don't need it. Uh, this is put together for people who want to learn how to write. Uh, and I like the way it's, it's written and I like the way it's put together because it's, it's easy to understand. I don't like when I go, I go take courses and I got to go look the words up that I'm taking the course to. And don't get me wrong, people, I got a private school education and, and a bachelor's and it's not like I'm not well educated. But it's it's sometimes you'll be taking these courses and you'll be what what the hell does this word mean? And then you got to go look it up. No, people, you, if you're going to teach people, teach them so they can understand. I mean, let's let's just be honest about it. And this makes it easy. You read through it. <laughs> funny, 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 Michael. Yes. No, I don't like 15 character words. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna tell you a little secret. When I was a young kid, from age nine until I left my mother's house. I had to learn one large word every week, anywhere from three to six syllables. Oh, yeah, she was serious about this stuff. Oh, she was serious. She was a serious woman when it came to education, reading, writing, spelling. Yes, she was. Yeah, and you know what's really sad about this is I was out of spelling until I got out of school or until we got out of spelling. And I can't spell save my ass today. Thank God for autocorrect is all I can tell y'all. Uh, no, it's not that. I'm just lazy. It's not, it has nothing to do with, you know, I don't want to take the time to think about it because I know autocorrect is going to fix it. I know. The modern world, what can I say? But that's yeah. another thing that teaches you, by the way. It gets you away from that kind of lazy habit you get to letting the computers, or even if you're writing, letting the computer finish or change the words around in the way you write. Or, you know, like when you do grammar, me and the computer fight, I should say the, the computer and I fight about grammar all the time. Uh, it wants to move things around. When I read it, it just sounds weird. I don't, I don't like, so I'm like, no. <laughs> I want it. Um, yes. yeah, it's one of them things. See, um, one thing that's, that's great about this is that pretty much it's on the premise too, because we launched this, this workshop in um, March, April of this, uh, this last year, right at the outset of, the, of COVID. And so <clears throat> it was actually quite fortunate because people then were stuck at home and it turns out a lot of people do have a story they'd love to be able to tell, but just don't know how to. And that's part of what we're trying to enable people to do. So we're over 4,000 people on this course right now. And I checked it last week and we've got people from 107 countries now taking this course. I hope there's going to be so more, more countries than we hope. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool that a lot of people now are just really 
a priest that they can now write and tell a story. They just couldn't do it before. They didn't have the, the, the wherewithal. And then it's a matter of just writing and writing and writing, keep on doing more. But at least you now have some of the basic tools to do it with. So that's one thing that's been very, very successful. And that's why I'm so happy with you that anybody that, it seems like in, on all these, uh, on the various paranormal stations that I've done, like I said, I've met a lot of people through Jim Mars, and you've been the one that's been become the, the best friend. But it's just amazing how many people have a story like this. How do you tell your story about an encounter? You know, something as simple as that, because this isn't just how to write a science fiction story. This is how to tell a story, period. So well, that's and it makes that a difference. They can learn how to do. It, it, and it make makes a, a big difference because, you know, there's an 11 day encounter that sooner or later I'm going to put the paper in and this is going to help me do it because before I just couldn't, you know, it's, it's like the, um, where, what section was I in the other day? Well, matter of fact, I sent this to a friend of mine cause he was having issues. He was, he's trying to write something. So I sent him this thousand and one story ideas in an hour. I love this by the way. Um, guys, now, it, it, now you can't go cheating and using other people's stories ideas, but this helps you to understand how to get ideas, how to build them in your head, how to pull them basically out of thin air. It's the best way I can describe it. Uh, it's a great part of this lesson. It's really helped me because, like I said earlier, so, you know, just, just to put this in perspective, when we lost 11 days in Gulf Breeze, Florida. Now, some of that's been recovered through regression and hypnosis and other things along those lines. Uh, but what's weird about this is I want to write this down as a story. It may be a good movie, but. And never could figure out how to build up to it, you know, like to drive in the golf breeze or meeting the people from Unsolved Mysteries. This is a lot of stuff that went on that needed to be incorporated into the, the, the first part of the book. So people actually understood how, what was going on while we were there, uh, what we were doing there, and why we were planning on spending 15 days in the panhandle of Florida driving around. So that, that all needed to be – see, now I understand – not completely. I'm not going to lie to you all, but – I now understand in a much better way on how I'm going to do this. And like I said, when I finish this, in about a week or two when I finish this, and it may be sooner because I, I may, if, if nobody bothers me this weekend, I get to hang out. I may just do it this weekend. But um, so I got this down pretty good. So there, there's a complete outline of two books in this, this notebook here. So that part, all right. And that part, it looks pretty good. I'm actually quite happy with that. Uh, now comes the other part is taking each one of these and turning it into the story it needs to be turned into. Um, you know, like when we do the introduction for iCry, it's got to be done correctly. People need to know what that organization is, how it came to be, why it exists. So, but now I know the questions to ask. Before I wasn't sure which questions to ask, which were the most important, and how should they be stacked or layered into the story? Guys, I'm telling you, 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 you listen to me talk. Y'all listened to me just six weeks ago. I was like, I ain't never writing nothing. My life depends on it. Uh, you don't even have to take my word for it. You can go back and listen to countless archives where I'm talking about not writing a book. <laughs> I'm just saying, people, um, if I can do this, this should be you should all get out there and give it a try. Um, get out, write a write a short story, submit it to the to the writers of the future awards. Uh, no, I don't think you get a win, but submit it anyway. Well, because you know, well, if, look, if you submit your first story and get it, whoa, two thumbs up to you is all I got to say. I just don't, you know, for the most part, I don't think that's the way it's going to happen. What did Preston, Preston Dennett had been putting it in for? 47 times. And I'm not saying you won't win faster because people do win faster. But, I, you know, I'm just saying, yeah. you know, you got, you got, there's a lot of competition. And, you know, I, I'm, I pushed them a lot and we're global now. So 
you know, when we're doing it on their awards, you know, these archives stay up for life. And, and we talk about it, and some of these archives have broke a half million, three quarters of a million. Some of the shows have broke a million. So, you know, there's lots of people out in the world now that know this exists. And we want everybody to get involved. I, I'd like them to, to call me and say, Joe, shut up. We've got too many submissions. <laughs> Just shut up, man. That's enough. <laughs> Uh, we don't need no more. Uh, yeah, people. You one know. thing that, that's happened though too is is that we've got with with all the entries now they they increased, but because of the people taking this online course, the quality of stories is, has increased remarkably, and so now there's a lot more honorable mentions, silver ball honorable mentions that get certified, and because of the uh, the quality and integrity of the Rise of the Future contest itself, you have editors that will take a story from a, a from a writer if they say i'm a finalist in writers of the future and they'll put it in their press releases it's just that well known yeah. and that and that much uh, established so even if you're not the winner you're still going to be able to get your stories picked up by editors now now jack to answer your question i would charge you at least twenty five hundred dollars for this course okay i, I would uh, but they're only going to charge you a big fat zero yeah, let me tell you it goes pretty fast if you've got the free time to sit down and do this, like I know a lot of my COVID friends have nothing to do. This is actually fabulous for y'all. Um, you could actually be finding yourself producing a short story in, in a week. Uh, you, yeah. you could find yourself in a month. because you. And I'm going to recommend that y'all do this course more than once. Now, some of you won't. Some of y'all are, 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 are pretty bright out there. So you might not have. But I really, you know, because there's a lot in here that you, you want to stick in your head because you don't want to forget it midway writing. Uh, so you really want this information to stick in your head so you know, use it as a resource. You, I mean, you can always go back, like I said earlier. Yeah, uh, you never lose. Once you sign up for it, you have access. It doesn't shut off. You just you can always go back to it. And one thing, because I know, Joe, you've got yours is global, that on on this course, we've also put transcriptions to all the videos. So anybody can go through and download the transcription and translate it with Google Translate to whatever their language is. So we've got several people that are that in Arabic or in uh, Hindu or in Spanish, whatever they'll, they'll take it and they're translating it so they could do the course that way. Yeah. You know, I know we got a good group in Tel Aviv listening tonight. And we got some out in, in Afghanistan listening tonight. So look guys, there you go. Trans get the transcription to have it translated. Yeah. Google translated no time at all. And uh, yeah. away you go. We did that. And when Mr. Hubbard created this contest in 1983, the purpose was to provide a means for aspiring writers for their works to be seen and acknowledged. And then five years later, he started the illustrator contest. And when we started this course here, it was just a continuation of what he'd been doing going all the way back to the thirties and forties. Uh, Ellen Hubbard was one of the most popular writers of science fiction and fantasy, but also Westerns, mystery, uh, thrillers in, in America. And he, he published over 150 stories and his own in 15 different pen names. So it was like, he definitely had the stats to show that he was qualified to be able to tell people how to write a story and teach people. So he wrote a lot of essays that were published at that time in like the um, various Writer's Digest magazines, Sportsman Pilot. So he'd published stuff in there and just on the subject of writing and how to do it. So these are the essays that you're reading now in the online course that uh, there's 10 of his essays in there that are the ones that are used and taught by our judges to give uh, that higher tech of, of how to write and come up with story ideas. Because it's not like this is how you write a story, but there's certain, certain laws that are like, 
universal. You know, like you're learning right now. It's like, it doesn't matter if you write fast or slow. We got judges that will take a year to write a story and others that will write a story in five, five stories a year. We got Kevin Anderson who dictates his stories when he goes hiking. Tim Powers, he's the one that wrote uh, On Stranger Tides and he's also one of the people that you're gonna listen to on this. He, um, he takes three by five cards and lays them out loud on his, on his floor in his living room and moves them around to get his story sequence because he writes these very long involved novels. So you get the various tools of how to do it, but it's not like this is how you do it, but these are tools to help you however you wanna go to be able to do it. And then this course coupled with the, uh, the podcast, which we now air on your, on your channel too, Joe, every, every, every week. Month. Yeah, it gives people that more, the, the, just the, um, the tools. And here's like um, how this person was able to use it. And, and you got professional writers, you've got industry professors, I've got publishers from Tor, Tor Publishing and Forbain Books and the, all the science fiction fantasy magazines. They've all been guest interviews. And the whole thing on it is that we're just trying to, to lend that helping hand. And that's what Mr. Hubbard is trying to do from the get-go. Because it's not a matter of if competition is going to do you out of something. It's just like like Orson Scott Card, one of the people you're going to listen to, who has a um, Ender's Game, which is a very famous book that he, that he wrote. For him, he said, I want to make this course. I want to make Rise of Future Gold because I want more stuff to read. You know, I, I, I'm putting a future so I have more good things to read on the road. He doesn't see it as competition for his stuff at all. And that's what the other judges think. It's not competition. It's just let's increase the playing field. So I've been reading through the course, and but it, I don't mark it complete until I've done whatever the lesson wants you to do. But sometimes I'll be yeah. reading ahead because of other ideas I get or questions people have asked me or stuff. You see right here, up here, it says 55 cent complete uh, in progress. So it's a little further than I thought. Uh, where is it? Let me find it over here. Is this it? But anyway, now you can see, okay, uh, course content right there, right off the bat, video introduction. I you know, see what I've done. Basic information for students, yes, because uh, y'all need this information. Uh, right there, important note. Now, uh, right up in here, where am I? Uh, steps in the right direction, story ideas, out of the hat, and story interest. And the 1,001 story. This is stuff that I have to be honest with you, I really, and this is just basic <clears throat> in this course, okay? This isn't. This just really helped me in a lot of ways to just get the little short story out and then give me an idea of how I, I want to write this. So I'm sure whatever it is I decide to write, it'll get written like 50 times before I'll ever let anybody read it. But um, still, it, it, at least there is a chance now, okay, that I may actually produce a book. I know. And you better hope I, I, it ain't a good one because you know how I am. Once I start doing something, if I like doing it, it's on. <laughs> I'll be like, I'll be like Nick Redfern at fifty of them suckers out there. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But it, it really is, guys. I mean, and look, I mean, y'all can see on the screen here, uh, you know, where I've done uh, three basic story ideas. You know, I've done all of this. Uh, talk to an author. Well, fortunately, I've talked to a lot of authors. <laughs> I got yeah. to cheat on that one. And I've talked to a lot of them about how to write and stuff like that. Uh, you know, so you uh, search for the research. You know, that's a good, you know, it talks about doing library research. It talks about how to do real research, what you should be looking for. I like the part about turning fact into fiction. There's just a lot of things in here that's going to really help the average person who's trying to write something but keeps stumbling over stuff or running into blocks. 
Um, but but anyway, let me let me go show you what I was talking about earlier. Let's scroll down here. Yeah, this is still all stuff we've been doing. See video, right? There's lots of videos in here for y'all to just sit and listen. You can chill out, relax, uh, take a listen. You can be writing while you're listening. Actually, that's what I did last time. But see, up in here is what I was talking about. Now, in here, I skipped ahead a couple of times too, but now I'm up in here. I was just reading uh, earlier today. I was in here, the middle of the story. I, I, was, I was reading about the opening and the middle of the story because uh, I was trying to think about something I want to do with a particular uh, – just recently, um, a big story fell into my lap, and I was trying to think about how to put it into form. Now, I don't want to write a book out of this, but I, I am going to write something. Uh, I guess it would qualify as a short story or something, but it's, it's going to be what actually happened in these events, and, and we're going to make it public. So uh, so I was reading about that just to get an idea how to stretch the story out, because if I write just the event, it'll be like three paragraphs, and it'll be a boring read. It'll be an exciting read because of what happened, but it'll still be a boring read. Uh, I'd like yeah. to you know, I'd like to stretch it out to six or twelve, maybe maybe one or two pages, maybe three. Um, so these things have really been helping with that, guys. So yeah, so you're learning from pros, guys. That's the other nice thing. You know, you listen to them talk; they're giving you valuable tips, valuable information. And you got to remember, in, in the long run, you're competition to these guys if you learn how to do it right. So I don't even know why they give them the secrets away. They'd be like, no, screw you, learn on your own, people. And I told you earlier, I'd be charging for the course. Oh, yeah, because if, if I can learn how to write for it, you should be charging at least 2500 maybe like 5 Gs. <laughs> they can make it right out of me, people. They got they got a, they got a money maker on, on their hands here. Yeah, various people have taken the course and said this is better than master classes. They, they've spent a lot of money in master classes. They said this answered questions that none of the master classes even touched. So that was really good. Well, guys, it's an easy way to learn how to write. No, I'd go over there and do it. Writersofthefuture.com, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, just click on and, and away you go. You just go to the website. Yeah. Um, but you see, it's all right there. Y'all can see uh, writing the ending. See, I'm going to need to know this for sure. I haven't read this yet, by the way, guys. So I'm, I'm going to need to know this for sure. <laughs> so I'm just saying right ahead of time. Writing the ending. Uh, and then yeah. I like this <clears throat> definition of suspense. I'm definitely going to read that. So, I mean, everything in here is going to get 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 read, but it, it just helps you. you do, man, I didn't see this down here. I got to come look at this anyway. Um, I'll get in here and finish this up, guys, and I'll have John back when we finish it. Because what I'm going to probably do is uh, I'm going to try to attempt another short story sometime this week if, if I get some free time. Because as far as I know, yeah. I, we're only scheduled at two day work week this coming up week. So, um, so maybe if if life would be nice to him, I get because and by then I'll have got at least another uh, four, five, six. Maybe I'll have section seven out of the way by then. And um, yeah, you do it in section, guys. I, and I prefer to do it that way. I like to do a section a day or something or whatever I'm doing. Plus, when you go through the stuff here, you can you can do it, and then all of a sudden you go like, wait a minute, now. And something else triggers as another another idea that you can go back and reread something or rewatch something that now has a different perspective because now you've got more data. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm telling everybody. I, I I would definitely I would I would definitely read it at least twice, uh, if not more. What is all that racket? Yeah. Somebody up in the front. It's uh but it it would just be better. It would it would be definitely uh, better to read it more often. Uh, Gracie, Gracie Jones, oh, Gracie Jones. I like that name. Uh, what do you got? No, well, yeah, there's there's physical people, meaning the videos, yes. But oh, you mean is there someone teaching the course? No, you're teaching yourself. Well, 
they're teaching you because they're on video. It's just, it's not like you're in a classroom or in a, in a zoom room or a zoom meeting room. It's just, you're following the videos. This course was put together. We've been doing, teaching this uh, workshop for like 36 years. And so it's been distilled down. These are the things that are, are the highlights and what's really successful that writers need to know about. So um, what we pace a person through, these are the steps using what was created in the Writers of the Future workshop for the winners. And so now with this, we've got the ability for anybody who wants to learn how to write to be able to walk through this thing here and learn the, the, the tools of it. Even though they're not themselves a professional writer or an experienced writer, it's still in the right sequence. You can go back and, and do these things time and time again. Even if you go through it once and, and write a story, you go back and do it again. All of a sudden, like, oh, wow. And you can learn more things and see how more things can apply to it just because of repetition. It's like yourself, you know, with what you do, you know, in your, in your work or anything that you do. The first time you did a show, the first time you did built a house or whatever, it's not nearly as good as it is now when you do the stuff. So it takes just doing it. And that's the same thing with writing. No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And it does. Repetition always helps. Looking back and always helps. That's why when people teach you in school, especially when you're young in school, they, they want you to write it so many times because it, it helps you to understand it. And we always, yeah. I mean, you should always look people. It's always good to always check because, you, you know, memories fail, things change, ideas change. It's always good to go back and just look, especially if you're unsure about something, you can go back and look and say, hey, oh, no, maybe I should try this way. Oh, this is what the lesson meant. And you may not have a full understanding of the lesson when you start to write. So as you're writing, going back may help you actually to get a full understanding of what it is. So far, it's been really clear to me, guys. I got to be honest with you. So far, it's uh, but like I said, I'm only up to section seven. I'll be starting that today or tomorrow. Or now, you've got people listening to this all over the world, right, Joe? Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, I have to look and see where we are right now. But yeah, we already know you, there's not going to be any less. We, uh, the station legit goes out to every country in the world. This show right now is probably broadcasting to at least 100 or more. Uh, Reese, what's your question for John? Uh, Reese wants to know uh, how, you got, how you got hooked up with the Ron Hell Elbert Awards, and do you write yourself? I originally got started working in, um, in publishing back in the mid-'80s, and I was just doing like the – the very bottom of the org structure and I just kept on doing it and now it's been you know a couple of decades and so it got to where I was able to learn more so there's all the different hats which I learned how to do and so in 2002 I was asked to start up um, a, a publishing house called Galaxy Press which publishes all the fiction works of Elrond Hubbard plus the writers of the future and so that's where I got very intimately involved with it we then started doing, we found out that there's a lot of people that really want to be able to write and don't know how to write. It was a, it was a quite a thing for a lot of people. So they really wanted to do it. So this is what we've done. So that's how I got into really mm. creating this Writers of the Future because that's something that Mr. Hubbard put in his will in 86 to continue funding this contest. He's the one that pays for all the, when a person enters a contest because it's free to enter. So he pays for that. The judging is all, he covers all that stuff. So it's just something that um, I help for that because I think it's really important to help promote literature, education, and uh, people write more in creativity. We're just going to have more good things happening, I think. It's um, I, I got to say, so far, I've really, I, I really enjoyed taking the course. It's, it's been kind of a godsend to me. Uh, now that I've actually sit down and then started reading through it, 
Oh, no, we got Laura Lee Potvin, who lives in... Um, where the hell is she lives? I was going to say Storm and Norman Land, but uh, Thunder Bay. And then we have Michelle DeRoche and Emilie Pisano, who live in um, Niagara Falls. And then we have Dave Scott and Alfred Weber, who are out in BC, Canada. And then uh, we have one other besides that, but I, I'm not going to mention their name. But um, Jeremy, John, St. Sinclair, what's your question? Have you? You've submitted, what, seven stories to writers of the future? Well, keep submitting. Like we said earlier, Preston, De- Preston Dennis did it tw- 37 times for you once, so uh, I wouldn't give up on him. It doesn't mean just because you don't win now, don't mean you won't win next year. Uh, yeah, we've had a lot of people that had to enter <clears throat> 20, 30 times before they actually won. Or the other thing that will happen, too, is that an author just gets better and better and better, and you start, you'll find that your, your stories start selling, and you will pro out, meaning that once you've had three professional short story sales, then you no longer qualify for Rise of the Future. But by that point, now you're a professional writer. Yeah, yeah so, no, I, I'm just saying, guys, I, I'm, I'm with John on this. Get out there and write. If you don't write, you ain't going to find that anyway. Exactly. Uh, Chrissy said, the more she writes, the more she realizes she can't write. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know that? I mean, have you submitted this to anybody? I mean, you're you're like me. You're gonna you're gonna be your own <clears throat> critic, but you know you don't really know until you submit it to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. You and, no, keep on doing. I, I don't recommend giving writing. it to friends or family. By the way, uh, I want to tell you a little secret. I, I, when it comes to this kind of stuff, I wouldn't immediately give it to a friend or a family. I would give it to somebody who doesn't really so much know who you are. It's just let them read the story for the story because. Family might want to put connotations on it or, or may have a little jealousy. Tendon- it just, just, I've just learned over the years from other things that sometimes it's not always best to rely on your family to be honest. How's that? Uh, so, but, you know, but do what you want. I mean, it's, it's your life. Don't, you don't have to listen to me. But I, I, would, I would. And besides, you know, sometimes it might be a little embarrassing to submit a story to somebody in your family. Um, what do you mean? Oh, I don't know. You know what? We'll ask John right now. Jessica wants to know, so... How do they know if their story has been accepted? Uh, how do they know if you're actually reading their stories when they come in? Okay, so the, co- the contest runs uh, every three months. And so um, all the submissions at the end of, we just finished last night at midnight, we just finished the first quarter of year 38. So all those stories now go to judges. And it goes to, we have two initial judges, and then they go through and, because every story gets looked at. Now, one thing, too, because some people are better than others. And, and so but every story will be looked at. Not all of them will be read because sometimes it's going to be very, very easy to see that they need some more work on it. So you'll get a letter back saying, thank you very much for your submission. Please resubmit. So you'll always get an acknowledgement to your to your um, story. Yeah. And that comes it comes within three months. Usually it's about three months after the end of that quarter. So the people that submitted up to yesterday at midnight, we'll hear back on by March 31st on from that first quarter is uh, is read. And then depending upon the quality of the story, then it gets further into the uh, judging process. Well, there you go, guys. Now you know how the process works. It, I mean, it is pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, oh, is John a judge? I don't know if John's a judge. I've never asked No, him. No, what we've got is I'm on the administration side of things. It's blind judging. So the way it works is that your story comes in when you upload it onto the website. 
a number is assigned to the story and that's what goes to the judges. So all they see is a number and the story. And so that's what they judge against. So if it's, um, we have no idea, the judges have no idea if it's male, female, what ethnic nationality, anything. It's just, is it a good story or not? And so that's, and we find out where the, where the winners are from once the judging is finalized for that quarter. So that's, one thing that's, that people have to really understand, because it's merit competition only, is it doesn't matter that you're the son of Stephen King or you're the some you know some such thing. It's like because they have no idea who you are. It's just a number and a story. So that's one thing that makes it really really good, and that's why the judges are so. We got the biggest names in science fiction and fantasy who are judges for this competition because it really levels the playing field. And that's what the, that's what the opportunity that we provide so that this is the only book that gets published, Writers of the Future. The Owen Hubbard Presents Writers of the Future volume. We just, we just released volume 36 uh, this past year. Now 37 comes up in this, in this coming year. But the whole, there aren't books that come out like in magazines, short story magazines, they sell because they've got the strength of, major names to carry it and so they'll, they'll sometimes they'll take one or two newbies but this is all newcomers these are all the new people that are being published for the first time that are getting their names out there so the strength of their own hubbard name helps to pull it and then the judges also will usually get one or two judge stories which add into it because they want to be able to help pull the story along too with with people wanting to uh, to read and meet these new um writers so that's what makes it a total different prospect than what you find anywhere else out there. So nobody else has something which features new people because everybody else is all based upon established professional with a, with a major name pedigree that, that they can sell with. We're just the opposite of that. Yeah, uh, guys, I, I, there's so much of this that, that y'all can get involved with and write and submit and I, I would submit um how many stories a year can you submit do you mean you how many stories four. a year or how many uh, yeah so one story per thing per quarter yeah, yeah. There's, I, there's I don't, I don't think they want you hitting them like 30 wait he was like wanting to send you 10 at a time no i don't think you can do it that way no no it's one story per quarter and um that's where some of your big name like kevin anderson who's one of the most successful science fiction writers out there right now, he entered, I think, 27 times in, in for Writers of the Future. And then eventually just he, he um, wrote out. He just, he sold uh, stories so he could no longer qualify for Writers of the Future. But he just, for him, he said he just learned the business of writing and he learned how to make a deadline. He learned how to like force himself to write. And so he got better and better and better at it. So you've got Several of our of our judges got their start in Writers of the Future, but then they didn't win the contest, but they proed out. So we got like Robert Sawyer, who's like the dean of science fiction in Canada. He never won Writers of the Future, but he submitted several times. And then eventually, um, with a critique that he got from Algis Budgets, who was the um, coordinating judge when he was writing, uh, suggested that he... Uh, do this, this, and this, and turn it into a novel. He did, and so he sold his novel and disqualified himself for the contest. But he's just, you know, it was because of Rise of the Future that he got his uh, a lot of the initial direction that made him successful. 
Well, I'm telling you, if, if y'all can get in here and write, especially if you can win, guys, I mean, you know, it can definitely get a career started, that's for sure. I mean, yeah. if that's what you're looking at. I, mean, I know a lot of people want to write. I know, like Glenn was saying earlier, he wants to write because it helps him to relax. And he said, he didn't necessarily know if he's going to ever send the story to anybody. He said, but it does help him to relax. Hey, if it, if it does, more power to you. No, it makes me pull what le- what's left of my hair out of my head. But, you know, hey, different different approaches for different folks is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, well, you're going to have some competition. And let me tell you what, I blab these guys all the time. We talk about the, the, uh, the well, we talk about John and Emily a lot, but we talk about the uh, Writers of the Future Awards a lot on this network now. And a lot of our other hosts have picked it up. Well, we, we our goal is to like to see a submission from every country in the world go into them. And we're going to push it until we see it. Um, no, really, I get nothing out of this other than having John and Emily and them as friends. I don't get nothing out of this. Why? Yeah. He, just because it's communist don't mean you can't sneak a letter out. Uh, just recently, <laughs> I, had the, I had the pleasure of interviewing a, a, a Chinese woman who writes Chinese paranormal, which is illegal in China, in case you didn't know this. She had contacted me about coming on this show, The Centralist, because she wanted to talk politically about how her writing and how I got her you know, arrested and why she had to leave China because she doesn't live in China anymore because of her paranormal writing. And uh, so we brought her on, and you know she's a, she's a really good author. She's won some awards. And you, oh, speaking of that, I forgot we won best esoteric podcaster for all of the UK. We got the award yesterday. It'll be on the site sometime in the next day or two. Yep. So we won best local broadcaster. We got a we got a place in national broadcasting this year. Uh, no, we got a top ten in the national broadcasting this year. Yeah. And then now we've got best esoteric broadcaster in the UK. Well, we got an honorable mention for news in the UK because we do real news. We don't do when we do news, we do real news. We don't do opinion news. We do real news. Like we tell you the story and you make up your mind. And we and then we do we do a lot of hard hitting stuff. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, guys. We take on abortion, gun rights. The station does it. Um, the uh, just the one Stephanie I did on abortion won several awards. Yeah, well, I did that, but then I did a thing on men's rights when it comes to children in this country. That won some awards. Actually, maybe a good bit of money, too. Um, uh, it, no, it doesn't guarantee your career is going to take off, but it's a big feather to help it take off. Because when you go to talk to publishers, the fact that you won this award is going to help you, not hurt you. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because if, you, if you're a yeah, winner, definitely, as well as being a, a finalist, if you uh, can put that in your pitch letters when you send it to a to an editor, you automatically automatically get taken out of the slush pile. They'll give you a break ahead of other people because of the fact that they know that they're with you the right future. There's there's yeah you can write and there's no secret connections, no none of the stuff here. It's just straight. You got that because you can write. You're the the top you know two percent, top five percent, depending upon which level of, of award you get from Rise of the Future. And it's just known that's what it is. But again, Emily and I do this. We work for, for Elwin Hubbard's publishing house. So that was his directive he gave with respect to Writers of the Future and, and directed that it continue after he passed in 1986. So that's what we're doing here. So that's just part of the, the direction that, that was set. And he's put in his will that continues to be funded. So that's what it is. So we continue doing that. And it grows more and more. And as we've got a situation as, as the arts get more and more devaluated in the, on the planet, there's less and less money goes towards people being able to write, to do art, having this as something that they can do 
we've got a lot of, of our judges, both writer and artist judges, who really take it to heart to want to be able to help aspiring writers and artists because they know how hard it is. It's very hard. And with schools being less and less endowed with this, being able to have some place to go to, to learn and to be able to get some direction makes all, makes all the world of difference. So we've got the Rise of Teacher podcast, which has both the writers and the illustrators. And you were talking about your podcast uh, being award-winning. The Rise of Future is, is also um, in the top 10 of the uh, People's Choice Podcast Awards. So we just got that this past year, which is really great. After one year, we were already award-winning podcast. Yeah, you're a good so podcast. We're very excited about and it's, it's doing well. Yeah. And, and guys, he, he does a weekly podcast. It airs on Monday at four o'clock, so you can catch it here. But it's it's always in syndication. It's always in you can always find it now. Yeah. The one they do on Monday is a featured show. So you can always find it in a featured slot for four or five days. But I do publish one on one of their older ones every day. Now we're on I think fifty-nine now. So there's still fifty-nine more to publish, but that also means that there's already uh, 41 or 42 of them, maybe 44 of them up there already published. So check them out. Yeah. There's a lot of material in there. And these are writers. A lot of these are writers. There's some lesson stuff in there. There's some writers talking about their careers. There's some writers talking about being a woman in the field. There's a lot of information. And take your time. I mean, they're there, available. They're, none of them are real long. They're anywhere from about 18 minutes up to about 60 minutes. Uh, they vary in length as you go through them. I would recommend listening to them. I've been listening to them myself. Um, Jessica. Do anybody else have any questions about the Writers of the Future contest or about entering or how to get on there? Jessica said she didn't understand. She said, so if you submit a story to someone that, that is published, you can't submit it to you, right? Yeah, well, that would make sense. Oh, so you want to know. Okay, so she's wanting to know if she writes a story and it went, if. She, uh, all right. No, I got what you're saying now. I just took a minute because you were kind of discombobulated there. Anyway, she wants to know. So she writes a story and, uh, it, and it gets picked up by Ron Hub and she wins from you. And then she turns around, sells a story and it makes money. Can next year she still submit you a story or is she considered a professional writer and can't submit anymore? Okay. The way it works for Writers of the Future is, and it gets into defining what, what are the terms to be able to disqualify. If you sell it has to be professional rates, which is eight cents a word currently, and um, that you're paid for whatever you sold. And you can't you have you can't have any more than three short stories professionally published to be disqualified. So if you've like if you've sold a story and it's been published, you can't now submit that to Rise of the Future and say, okay, look, I want to do this one here. It's got to be it needs to be a, a new story. Yeah, it needs to be unique. Yes. Well, so you you understand what he was saying? Well, no, I know you've been published before. That's, that's, no, I know. Um, we've got several publishers that hangs out in the group. Yeah, well, you know, okay, I don't want to sound really I mean, a, lot here, of, but- a lot of people have, a lot of people have been published on, like on these um, NaNoWriMo and on these, these free digital things. And they've quote unquote published a lot of stuff, but they haven't <laughs> made any money on it and they haven't done anything like that. So that, that won't disqualify you because that doesn't count as, a pro sale. See, there's being published and there's being published. Well, actually, technically, I have been published, not for writing a book, but there's stuff that I've written in the past that has been published for research articles for other stuff I've done, like some of the stuff in the blood type studies and the DNA has actually been, some of it's actually been peer reviewed, but it's not what we're talking about. It's just, that's something else. 
but you know, I've got friends who have been published, but not really. No big publishing company picked them up. You know, one of these smaller company picks them up, or or they're self-published. First up, people, self-publishing is fine. I'm not hating on self-publishing, but to me, that's still not really being published. You're doing that yourself, not unless you're making a buttload of money off of it. And I don't know any self-publishers that are. I know some that are making some money, but not a lot. And then there's like Greenlee and a couple of the other public smaller companies out there that publish. I know we work with a couple of the other publishing companies that are work with one big one and two smaller ones. There's a lot of authors. A lot of people can write. There's some talented people out there. And not everybody who writes a book writes a good book. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, it's like every movie you see. Is every movie you see good? Hell no. It's like one in every 500 that are really good. It's the same with books, you know. But some people are good at stringing words together. I guess it, and that you get good at that by practicing. You just got to do it and do it and do it, and that's how you get to be good. Mm. That's even the thing that that Hubbard and several of the other judges too, like um, you know, throw away your first million words. If you, for the professional guy, you just write and you write and you write and you write, and then you because then you build up a style. And then when you're writing, you don't worry then about how your structure is because now you can just you can just write. You can you can conceive an idea and write it. Because now you just practice enough. And that's just a matter of, you, know, you can look at and go like when I think Hubbard did a, um, he spoke at uh, Harvard in a creative writing class. This is back in the um, 40s. And he was um, a professor. He was one of the big name authors in America then. And so these students there were, were writing uh, the short, the short creative writing short story class. And so they've been working all semester to write their story. And he saw when he went in there that they were all working on their one short story for the whole semester. He said, really? So what he told them was, no, you need to like, right. I think it was like 50,000 words. It was something they just kind of like, they just went absolutely in shock. They just couldn't believe it. Like they were doing a little short story. He said, no, a writer writes, that's how you're going to make it. And so that's any of the established professional writers. They just write. You take a look at like Brandon Sanderson right now. I think he had seven novels written before he sold his first one. You just got to keep on writing. And then eventually you get, you know, you get the drill down and it's just and all of a sudden it starts clicking. You just got to keep on writing. But th- what this course does, it gives you some of the tools you can do that and you can overcome that first hump. Because if you never write that first short story, you never will get to the next level or the next level. And that's what this is about. Just give me some of those basic things and, even if it's just you want to be able to write something to to pass on to your to your kids or to your whoever, it still has a there's still a, a thing you need to be able to know to do to be able to write something that people can go like, wow, that's pretty cool. And that's what this is about. I'm telling you, people, it will definitely help you. Uh I'm even if you're a an immediate writer somewhere just been writing for a while, but you you just don't feel as comfortable. I'm telling you it's gonna help you. Yeah. It, it'll actually help quite a few people who take this course. And even if you you think you're a professional, you might want to go check it out. Uh, if you're not making money off your books or you're not really getting published in a, in a lot of ways, it couldn't help you. It couldn't hurt you to take the course. Um, yeah. It would definitely help. And and y'all can always go to writersofthefuture.com and submit. It's real easy. I'll, I'll pull the site back up in a minute, but it's real easy to submit. It's not real complicated. He's said four times a year. Yeah, four times a year. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it's quarterly. That would make sense to me. Uh, Rashish, what do you got, Rashish? Where are you calling from, Rashish? 
uh egypt well hello in egypt how you doing over there this afternoon or it's afternoon over there isn't it uh what are you doing what you got for us oh you've submitted to them before we'll keep submitting yeah that's great well what do you mean you didn't know so you submitted when you were in college in the united states but since you've been back to egypt no you can submit from egypt yeah it doesn't matter what country you're in yeah submit man oh yeah yeah we even even had a, a a winner uh, this past year from Iran, and unfortunately, because of political ties, they're not going to be able to fly out there, fly out to the United States. But he was the winner, and he's just a, just a super nice artist, a great guy. So we we're very happy about that. Uh, we also had a winner from Turkey. So it's it's like anybody can win. It's like if there's political reasons why a person can't be brought over because we can't get a visa, then that's a different situation. But if a person wins, it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter where they're from, what their religious affiliation is, what their nationality is. Can you write a good story? Can you illustrate a good picture? And that's what this is about. One of the upcoming stories we're going to have is uh, Stephen Sears. He wrote all the uh, stuff for like Swamp Thing and for uh, Shira and about four different uh, A-team. He wrote all these screenplays and he talked about how he got into being a screenwriter from being a writer to screenwriter. And one of the things that this, that our podcast does too, it goes over the whole subject of diversifying and how you can get into a certain area. So it's not like a writer writes short stories or a writer writes novels, a writer writes. So he goes into you know, how to diversify. If you're an artist, how to diversify an art. We've got several interviews with people talking about what they've done to be able to spread. And so no matter what's happening, to be able to, to still continue working even with no more conventions right now. So that's one of the things that we do as well is trying to provide as many different solutions and, and to assist people to be able to survive through this thing and just continue to grow and expand. Yeah. And you know what, guys? We're going to have at least – I hate to even say this out loud, but we're going to have at least another six months of COVID lockdown. I mean – where no, a lot of people aren't where this is a good time to sink it in there. You know, I was picking on John about this a couple of weeks ago when he was on and talking about how many virus stories there's going to be coming out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, remember when Andromeda Strain, the original Andromeda Strain was written, there must have been 150 new movies made about these viruses that got loose. Um, that's yeah. all thanks to writing a book. Well, most movies do come from a book, Chris. Yeah, most of them do. Or a short story. No, it's just, you know, it's an idea. Well, a lot of times that's why the, the, the movie's not as good as the book or not the same as the book. A lot of times they just use it as a basis for whatever they're going to do. Like, if you ever read Fire in the Sky and then go watch the movie, it's way different. Yeah, the movie's way different than the book is. It's it's uh, kind of like night and day. And I, I see lots of them like that. You know, people get a concept and then they want to take the concept and make it into what they want to make it into. It's like any new sci-fi, you know, that, that has genre behind it. A lot of times they're trying to remake it, even though there's something there to start off with. Uh, what's that? Where, where are you writing in from? Mexico City, Mexico. Oh, well, hello, Mexico City down there. What is it? Y'all are West Coasters, aren't y'all? West Coast time out there? Uh, either either Arizona or West Coast time. So what do you got for us? Oh, you're going to win this year because it's only a short drive from where you live to L.A.? Just a few hours? <laughs> well, hey, I'm all for that. Yeah, we want you to win. Absolutely. Oh, submit the story. What, you, yeah. what, you gonna, what do you mean? I don't think it matters what you write. Does it actually matter what they write about as long as it's a short story? 
It's going to be a short story. It's, it's speculative fiction, meaning it's science fiction, fantasy, alternate history. Uh, it can be uh, dark fantasy, but it's it's along those lines. It's not just a regular. Yeah. Other but she said she's going to be writing about how there's four of her. Well, okay, now, now wait a minute. Now, before we go any further, it's just like, are you writing like it's a sci-fi? Are you writing like you split so it's good? So I just want to know ahead of time. Jason, <laughs> <laughs> we need to send some guards to the award ceremony this year. I just, I just want to know ahead of time. Oh, so for you time travelers or, or dimensional travelers. I got you. Well, no, yeah, that's, good definitely science, that's definitely science fiction. Yeah, yeah, that sounds fun to me, right? Send it in there. Well, yeah, you, I'll tell you what. The thing that the judges look for is originality. So, yeah. It's not that no ideas have never been thought before, but it's like, how can you make it really fresh and original so that it's people are like, wow, that's way cool. And that's one thing. If you read Writers of the Future book, which I highly recommend you do, if you've not read it, the series, you'll read these stories and you're like, what they think of that? Because I'm, I'm always amazed. And I've been reading these things now for 37 years. And I'm just amazed how every year there's a whole new, you know, array of stories, fantasy and science fiction. They're like, how do they think of that? I've never, that's like a brilliant idea. So, Oh, you know, it's interesting you said that. Cause I got a, I've been talking with a donor about buying all 30, 37 books. We were talking about just the other day. And at the uh, end of this year, giving them, you know, doing a, doing a contest that runs all year and then giving the whole set to one individual at the end of the year. Oh, that'd be nice. Uh, we got a couple, we, we got time for a few more questions. What's up? Uh, Harold from Cleveland. Okay, Harold from Cleveland. Uh, yes, well, I can answer that for you because, yes, it's sci-fi. Yeah, you can submit sci-fi. All, but how many words? How many words is it, John? How many words can I? Uh, 17,000 words is the max. See, you know, guys, he says 17,000 words a short story. To me, 4,000 words a short story. 17,000 words like half a novel. Man, what the hell? Yeah, so that's like a novelette. So yeah. it can it's, be any like. The, the normal stories that win are between four and seven thousand, but the maximum length is seventeen thousand words. There you go. Get in there, write the story. Well, no, uh, Marsha. No, if you write it on your Word or your pad or anything like that, it keeps count of the words for you. You don't have to go physically count. Yeah. Them. <clears throat> yeah. No, really, it keeps count. Of, it, well, it keeps count of the spaces too. Mm -hmm. So you've got to tell it which one you want. Well, because I noticed with um, – I forgot what publishing company it was, but they count the space as a word. Yeah, so I don't know why. I guess maybe they can only publish a certain size. I guess it's because they can only go a certain amount of pages or something. Whatever the deal they have is, it must block out X amount of pages because I know with uh, – Ricky was telling me about this just recently with the publishing companies with – he said they actually count the spaces. He said, so normally – he said you would be 1,000 pages, but it's actually going to be 500 pages because there's as many spaces as there is words. I was like, well, that's ignorant. He said, no, it's each. He said, because it takes up space on the paper. Uh, I guess if that's the point you're making, I can understand. I, I still don't understand why they do that, guys. I'm not even going to pretend like I do. Uh, I don't know what that's about. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm not a publisher. What do I know about? Not a, I'm not a book publisher. I am a publisher. I'm just not a book publisher. I publish media all the time. Yes, this is what we're doing media right now. That's going to be published in a half hour. Uh, two more questions and we got it. We. Oh, okay. So Kimberly wants to know, why do you think Ron L. Hubbard did this? Why, why did he put this money aside? 
to make just possibly see he, she seems it seems like an a really unreal nice gesture we all know who ron hubbard is i guess but go ahead john i'm sorry yeah so in the 30s and 40s ron hubbard was like i mentioned earlier in this in this interview was one of the most popular pulp fiction writers in america and he wrote mystery adventure western science fiction fantasy some romance he wrote all the different genres military fiction so he also had a reputation for just he'd meet with other writers and help them um cl moore who's a very famous writer from the pulp pulp era and she was actually one of the first judges for the contest as well we have these letters back and forth between her and hubbard about him giving her tips and advice on what to do to write on how to do things and he wrote several articles for Writer's Digest and a few other publications. So for him, it was just a matter of lending a helping hand. In, the, in 1940, when he was flying his first um, flag for the Explorers Club, he was doing research for the uh, U.S. Navy on uh, what equipment that became Loran. And he ended up in um, his, his ship. Um, needed some repairs in Ketchikan, Alaska. So he, he launched his first writing contest called the Golden Pen Award. And that started in 1940. And that was the forerunner to the current writers of the future. So he always had that as, as a goal and objective to be able to help artists. And for him, science fiction fantasy um, is the herald of possibility. And, for, and so it was important to like put tension on like a positive future. And that's pretty much what you're going to have with, with his uh, stories and what he's trying to do with, by endowing this contest. And he was one of the big, most highly paid authors. And even after his passing, he still remains one of the most highly paid authors in the world. So he's just endowed, it, endowed this and said, keep it going. And part of why you've got all these major names as uh, judges for the contest, it's because they reviewed it and go, look at you, this is, it's the real thing. It's, it's legit. And so you're going to have um, major authors who are, you know, when they're invited to become a judge that will lend their name to it to help, you know, support it and, and to help out um, the aspiring writers themselves. And they just, you know, several of them said, well, I wish I had either one had the, the wherewithal to be able to endow this, but I can at least support it by lending my name to it now that he's endowed it. So that was just, that's one thing that he just, he did and he continued to do that. And it's for him it's not a problem because, you know, he remains very well paid. He just his books sell. And um so hopefully that answers the question. It does. Um what's that, Christopher? No, well no, if you well, I'll get John to tell you about it, what happens if you win. So uh, so first off, look, I know let me let me ask answer yeah, let me answer her question first. It's uh www.ridersofthefuture.com. Just go over there, look. Let me move this map for a minute, and I'll show you right quick. Bam. Uh, okay, maybe not, because I think I closed the wrong thing. No, there it is. All right. Okay, I see this list on the side. You're going to see this when you log in. Bam, bam, bam. Enter writer's contest right there. Enter illustrator's contest right there. Look, click. This is really easy. This is writerfutures.com, people. Uh, bam, bam, bam. There you go. In writer's second quarter contest 2021. Deadline March 31st of 2021. So get your butts in there and get them subscribed. Click here to enter contest. See how easy that is? Uh-huh. No, I'm just saying. I, I know I sound like a bit of smart ass, which I am, but I, I want you to see how actual easy it, it is. So go over there and submit your story. Well, I imagine you probably just upload it. Yeah, uh, that's correct. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah just, it, gives just... you, it gives you direction how to do it. And there's a whole thing there. If you look at that, it has the uh, uh, writer contest rules. So it gives you the rules and lists off all the different things, how to, how to space it and um, the length and all that type of stuff. So you got, you can't have your name on the actual document itself that gets put in the, on the application form. But when the judges get it all there, they can only see the, um, the title and there's a number that's assigned to it by the computer. Now, to answer the other question, I'll get John to tell you what the prizes are, what you can expect if you get the prize, and what will happen well, when COVID goes away. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Okay, good. Okay, good. So the way it works is that each quarter there's, there's three winners uh, for the writing contest. The first place winner gets $1,000, second place is $750, and third place is $500. And that's paid out. Then when the book is actually published, you're also paid professional rates for the story. So it's eight cents per word, depending on how many words it is. You get a check on that when the book is published. And then there's going to be one person that's going to be the grand prize winner for the year. And that person gets an additional $5,000 check on the stage at the event. The uh, all 12 winners for the writer contest and all 12 winners of the illustrator contest are flown out to Hollywood for a week long workshop. And wherever you're from, I said, we had a winner this year from Iran who we can't get a visa for. So he's not able to come even though he won, but provided that there's political um, ties that we can, for a person to come out here, then they get flown in from wherever they are. They're put up in a, in a fancy hotel in Hollywood. It's right now, this, this next year is going to be the Hollywood Roosevelt hotel. And um, that's right there on Hollywood Boulevard. So they'll be there for that. And then we have a big, Black Tie Gala, where we have a lot of media, will attend and take pictures, and and we do. Everybody gets a lot of media attention as the winners for this contest, and then you're presented the award from top names in um, writing and illustration. Plus, we have the Hollywood celebrities that are also there too, and make presentations. We had one of our uh, illustrator winners a few years ago. He was presented by Nancy Cartwright, who's the voice of Bart Simpson. And he was so cute. He was like, I got to get a picture for my, for my grandkids. Can you please do that? Because he was like, they're going to think I'm so cool now that I'm here with, with Bart mm -hmm. Simpson. So you'll get that. And then it's uh, in that week-long workshop, you're taught by the three instructors that are teaching this course here that you're talking about doing. Plus, we have about 20 other judges that come in, and they each teach a one-hour class on some specific aspect of writing science fiction, fantasy, research, how to do hard science fiction, the do's and don'ts of creating, of world building. There's all kinds of different stuff on it, which just really provides, a, gives you a bunch of tools you can use as a writer. You don't have to use it, but these are all tools that have been used by like Brandon Sanderson or by Orson Scott Card or by Larry Niven or Kevin J. Anderson or Robert Sawyer or Sean Williams. So you got these these big name authors that tell you there are different tools of the trade that will just help you. Do you have it there for use or not? And you can put it there and have it. And maybe you also have to keep on writing for a while for it to actually like, oh, that's what he's talking about. So you get that as well. Anyway, that's what you get for uh, being a winner. But right now we decided to, to take the three writers workshop judges and have them do the videos just to give people a leg up to get started. It's not everything you're going to get when you actually win the contest, but it gives you a lot of the stuff there so that it, it just helps you so you can move a lot faster to making it.
Mm, there you go, people. Um, no, I'm winning this year. What are y'all talking about? I'm going to write one at the last quarter and sneak in and win everything. It, 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 it's going to be so good they're going to give everybody else prize money. Just kidding, guys. They don't do that. Just, just, just before anybody writes to John, they don't do that. I'm sorry. Uh, better be careful. Yeah. No, we're getting ready to get out of here. But uh, what is that, Donnie? Where are you writing in from? Where? Northern Ireland. Well, hello over there in Ireland. Hang out doing over there today. It's uh, evening time over there. What, like three a.m. or something. Two a.m. Yeah, I know it's three hours over there. Which, so, what, what's going on? What you? What are you? What do you got? Oh, oh, okay. I, I, no, I'll ask him because <clears throat> I don't know. So he's asking when for the guidelines. So he understands like sci-fi or something along those lines. He says, is there like a, a PG rating? In other words, is there a rating from like G to R or something? What kind of language yeah. can be in the, in the stores? It's qualified. We say it in the actual rules, but basically it's PG. We have these books that are available for students in, in middle school on up. So we keep them like that intentionally so that, can, so that young students can also read it and enjoy the stories too. So PG-13 people basically is what we're talking about here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so PG-13 or lower, not high or lower. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm with him because young people need access to books. Whether, yeah. look, when we say book, okay, Using the book today is is not as conducive as it should be, but when I when I say book, it can be an online. You know, you can you can be reading it on your computer, on your pad. It doesn't really matter. Maybe I should just say reading the story, because uh, books are getting less and less each year, and more and more people are moving to online stuff, which is fine. I mean, you know, a lot of people keep their books and pads, but I got to tell y'all, I find that every generation, from Z generation to baby boomers, a lot of them like the tactile sensation of feeling a book in their hand. Uh, so I don't know if books will ever go away completely, and I don't think they should, because one thing all these sci-fi movies have taught me is when we get rid of all the books and we put everything on digital, the world's going to come to end. We're not going to have any books to figure out how anything worked. So I'm just saying, people, let's keep some books around. We can have both. We can have digital and we can have books. I mean, what, what's the difference? Uh, no, guys, I want to thank everyone for hanging out with us tonight. Um, I see there's over 400,000 people tuned in tonight, so I appreciate everybody hanging out. And uh, at least at least 67, maybe 80 countries for sure. Oh, it might be 100. I can't see who's over there. Uh, I do see quite a y'all from Scotland. And, and by the way, you know, I'm glad to see you Scots. And I found out just recently I'm 40% Scottish. Uh, 43% actually. I was like, you know, and my last name is Montaldo, so you figure it out. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Daddy was being a bad boy somewhere along the line. Well, maybe it was Mom. Was, uh, somebody in the family was not telling the truth, but... Uh, for all y'all over there, I hope y'all having a great day. For everybody around the world who's listening to us, stay safe, stay COVID friendly. You know, try to try to keep a decent attitude while this is going on. You know, it's looking like six months, things might change. You know, I, I don't I don't want to sell a bunch of false hope because we don't really know yet. Uh, but you know, sooner or later it's going to get better, people. Uh, so try not to let this wear you down. I mean, really try not to let this down. Uh, any last words we get out of here, John? Anybody want to plug, promo, let anybody know where you're at, what's going on? Just I look forward to uh, anybody who's got that story that they've been wanting to tell. Send Take advantage in. of this course. Take advantage of this course, and uh, hopefully you can get that story out there because that's what this is all about, and we're just very happy for that. So riseofthefuture.com. And again, if you've not read a story from Rise of the Future, then Get a copy. Belron Hubbard presents Writers of the Future. I'm the publisher, so I've got to put my my plug in for that. You can get it either at Amazon or pretty much anywhere where books are sold. 
and uh, just to read it so you can see what what it is what the competition is and how good you have to be to be a winner actually we've given two of their books away this year oh yeah you should have called in you should have been listening while listening to the right show that's all i can say mm -hmm. got to be listening <laughs> to one of my shows no their books only get given away on my shows no that's just how that works you gotta be listening to one well sorry you weren't listening There's nothing i can do for you go buy the damn book people it ain't that expensive well i can't tell you yeah unless you buy it for next christmas but uh no christmas is over with now you got birthdays coming up yeah maybe a belated new year's present or something but january is a dark and cold month for most of the country so buy somebody a book that might bring a smile to their face or a laugh or a giggle it ain't good sci-fi if there's not laughter in it. i'm telling you all that now anytime you write sci-fi totally dark it's garbage it's my own personal opinion but really all the great sci-fis all the ones that last and always have comedy because Human, you can count on one thing when humans, they get down and out, the world's coming in, it's going to disaster, somebody's going to crack a joke just to relieve the stress. And that's yep. just human nature. But when you don't see that in these movies, you know, that, well, they're, they're just trying to be as dark as they can uh, without anything. And that's just not sci-fi. Sci-fi don't have some humor and it's not real sci-fi. That's my opinion. You don't have to get mad at the sci-fi writers. You can get mad at me. And again, to everybody over there in Southern and Northern Scotland, I hope y'all have a great early morning uh spotting those weird little people walking around your countryside yes write some stories about that that could be interesting anyway we got to go guys we run we're running out we've ran out of time but again i want to thank everyone for tuning in to decentralist with john goodwin and joe Montello. hope y'all enjoyed the show remember don't be scared write a short story submit it to writersoffuture.com what's the worst that can happen you don't win what's the best that can happen you do win give it a try Thank you for listening to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. I hope this show has helped inspire you to make that New Year's resolution, and they actually give you a, a tool you can use to make it happen. You can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or on the United Public Radio Network. Thank you very much, and happy 2021.